wrestling with my brother. We got a podcast, yeah. Wrestling with my brother. Hello and welcome back to the PG podcast run by two rated R superstars. It's wrestling with my brother. Now what? Oh, so did you just call us PG because you wanted to drop the R-rated line? Yeah, we're actually R-rated podcast, aren't we? Really, we swear a heck of a lot. Fuck yeah, motherfucker! A fuck um, of a lot. <laughs> well, no, it's just because uh, MJF has started calling. Well, he's been calling for a while. CM Punk, he calls him PG Punk because <laughs> he's saying like he's tamed down his act now that he's older. Slowed down his act, if anything. Boring. Hello. Hello. Welcome back. Welcome back to you. Welcome back to our listeners. I think you were telling me, welcome back to me, to myself. Yeah. Welcome back. How's things? You've been doing lots of uh, DIY. You've been getting wood, as the Dudleys would say. I don't actually want to add context to that. Yeah. Getting loads of wood. Um, I've been telling literally everyone that I've got a trapezius muscle like Brock Lesnar. 80% of people are like, uh, okay, they didn't have a clue. Obviously, on this pod, everyone's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I can imagine that now. Yeah, new fence, building my fault, just uh, staining while the weather's nice here in uh, South Wales. It's been uh, quite warm recently, isn't it? It's been lovely, yeah. Although, last time I started talking about the weather, you went off on one, so. Yeah, but I, I naturally segued into it. You you were fucking Tony Blackburn, and oh, yeah, as well, it's been amazing, isn't it? <laughs> Sleazeball. <laughs> Any wrestling gossip or uh, news before we kick shit off? Well, yes. The WWE pay-per-view coming to Cardiff has an official name. Yeah. <laughs> Which is? Do you want to share? Uh, I'll probably get it wrong. Is it Clash at the Castle? It is Clash at the Castle. Yeah, even though it's not at a castle. Clash near the castle. Well, I suppose. I mean, there's also no royals at the Royal Rumble, so they've got a history of uh, misnaming their pay-per-views. I mean, SummerSlam does take place in summer, even if it's just the, the dog days of summer. But, um, yeah, Clash at the castle. I mean, you can see the castle. It is it is kind of there, but it's weird because they have actually had major boxing matches and events at the castle. They could have called it clash in the capital or Ooh, cum- ca- yeah capital clash that's good Cymru carnage <laughs> fuck that sounds so gashed isn't it welcome to Cymru carnage 100 tickets we got for sale chief your favourites <laughs> oh. Cymru carnage Friday night down <laughs> Chippy Lane <laughs> bell time 7 o'clock everyone's gotta be out by half 10 a bingo starts <laughs> sounds amazing actually Doesn't it? yeah I think I think tickets go on sale this week so we will try to get some although we'll probably be lucky if we do because I think it's massively oversubscribed so what so you've got to subscribe to register your interest yeah and that allows you to then go on and try and order them with millions of other people. Well, I think the the last I'd heard they'd had about 130,000 kind of people signing up to the pre-orders, the mailing list or whatever, to be notified. So Jesus Christ. 
we'll be lucky. Vinnie Mac is just printing money, mind me. Just unbelievable. <sighs> well, fingers crossed for us. Um, but you know, they'll always be the pod. And on that note, let's do our first feature, shall we? Would you, would you, what are you saying? Would you rather? Yeah, I've um, I struggled this week, but I got one. I got a good one. I, I, I teased it out of me. It's another thinker. So would you rather, Brother Darren, wrestle in a mask, but then have to remove it due to losing a stipulation match? Or go most of your career without a mask and then have to learn to wrestle in one. Now, you know all the stigma about losing, you know, being demasked. You know, imagine it was that kind of prestige, maybe a Mexican and just the the shame of losing a mask after years of being a luchador. Or, yeah, obviously, you know, you wrestle for years without a mask and then suddenly you're you're looking through these little slit holes then for, for the rest of your career. Yeah, that is a really good one because it does force you to think. I mean, I think, you know, if you were wearing a mask as a luchador, it would be different to wearing a mask as part of a different character like Kane. I mean, Kane wore a mask for many years, but wasn't considered a luchador, mainly because he was fucking massive. (laughs) Have you seen those pictures of Glenn Jacobs recently on, on Instagram? I mean, he is in his 50s and he is ripped to shit. Ab city. Well, I mean, he did let, in fairness, he's, he's been muscly, then chunky, then uber-fucking-chunky as a, as a politician, and then he's back-ripped. So, you know, like, yeah. I'm the fattest I've been. I've put in a tiny bit of muscle. That's going to be impressive, isn't it, you know? Seeing any muscle on you at this age would be impressive, yeah. But, <laughs> I mean, he, he could be forgiven for retiring. You know, he's a politician. He could be forgiven for not letting himself go, but just kind of allowing his paunch to spread. But my <laughs> God, he looks so good. Anyway, where were we? Yeah. So I think I'm going to, I'm going to do the twist that I said. I am going to have worn a mask, but not as a luchador and be very relieved to be able to take it off and wrestle uh, without it. Because it just, I don't like wearing a mask anyway, like for fancy dress or whatever. It kind of restricts your vision. It gets hot and sweaty. And that's just walking around. I can't imagine having a wrestling match of, of anything over five minutes or any exertion whatsoever in a mask. It's got to be awful. Mm. Yeah, I, I don't know. I just posed it to you. I don't really know the answer myself. If, how, I'm gonna, can I go 50-50? Bit of both? Bit of neither? Bit of a cop out there? Want to phone a friend? Ask the audience? What do you want to do? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it's difficult, isn't it? Probably, probably what you said, because, yeah, the thought of... But, you know, you get some masks these days, like, take a Batman, your favourite superhero. All your mouth is open anyway, and, and some masks. So, you know, it doesn't have to be full-on on your face. Um, when I go back to um, Kane, his mask at one yeah. point, it was kind of half the face, wasn't it? Yeah. But no, I, th- I think... The caveat would be as long as I'm not a luchador and, you know, would bring shame to my entire entire Mexican family, then, yeah, you know, change your pace to mix it up. You know, it it worked well for Kane. It didn't work well for people like Abyss. He, yeah, just got shit when he demasked. So there's, you know, Rey Mysterio was still as awesome, but as a luchador, you know, to get Rey Mysterio as a name was kind of passed down to him. So, yeah, that was a massive blow to him. 
Um, but yeah, just a bit of a but <laughs> a bit of a head scratcher as he's scratching his head. Would you rather? But this is the most uncharacteristic clip choice of my life and career. But it popped up on social media, and I thought, yeah, let's mix let's mix things up a bit. This is Joe Malenko versus Dean Malenko at All Japan Pro Wrestling for the World Junior Heavyweight Championship. <laughs> And then, because I picked one super technical clip this episode, I've picked my second clip, which is just pure carnage. Um, just before I get into this match, and you know, just have another pop at you, because I love to do that. I just feel that in all the wrestlers around the world, Dean Malenko is like 100% your spirit animal. You know, he's short, he's stout, he's got receding hairline, fiery disposition. I could go on forever, baby. Every time I look at him, I think, oh, God, that, if Darren was a wrestler, that is him. So maybe for next pod, don't retaliate straight away. Think of who I would be. You know, l- lanky, but with a pot. A million different colours for hair. Have a little think. I'm a bit more difficult. Um, but yeah, I just want to throw that out there, basically. So this is brother versus brother, just like this pod. Uh, in front of an electric crowd. I, I feature a lot of hardcore, kind of fast-paced bouts, so why not switch it up a bit? You know, this is a technical masterclass. Um, and I realise we hadn't... I don't know if we featured any... Uh, maybe one or two in Japan. We feature a lot of American wrestling for the most part, but just how weird are those fans? They're so respectful in Japan and only applaud when something is just truly special and then they're silent again not even a cough nothing at all really strange atmosphere but it does make the high spot stand out a bit more i think whereas you know like with AEW now like the crowd is absolutely going ape shit and then when they're quiet oh it feels weird are they not enjoying it and then someone will nearly break their neck and ah roaring again so yeah it is weird I think it's just a cultural thing isn't it it's that whole thing of respect i've seen it in other things as well in some old clips of pop and rock concerts where they sit in very politely and occasionally kind of clapping along but <laughs> not like you would expect to see in a western audience of up and dancing that's probably changed a lot in recent years especially with more kind of asian music and k-pop and things like that but yeah i've definitely seen old clips of um of audiences just kind of sat there watching politely and then clapping politely afterwards (laughs) it's really weird but uh yeah deathmatch wrestling is is i think the exception you can't sit still and oh yes that was a very good barbed wire shot to the throat that i enjoyed it yeah so just a bit about the match really i mean this is the most technical match i will ever feature nice bridge sequence at the start i really like that a uh, great mix of techniques and holds as they jockey for position and you gotta remember this is like late 80s although it was slow paced and you know, it would be boring to most kind of modern modern audiences. This really did pave the way for kind of modern technical wrestling. 
And yeah, I have no idea what happened to Joe, but uh, Dean seemed to do all right for himself, didn't he, following this? Certainly did. But I've got a question. Was Dean Melenko born middle-aged? <laughs> no. He, yeah, he, he looks really old now, but that clip in the late 80s, he just froze like that, didn't he? It's just him. He looked the same there as he did 12, 13 years later in the yeah. WWE. I think the guy was 50 for about 30 years. Yeah, WCW, not WWE. Well, yeah, and WWE, yeah. He just looked exactly the same, didn't he? Yeah. But yeah, I I was interested to hear why you picked this because I wouldn't have had you down as a fan of this sort of match at all. Well, I mean, apart from the fact that it was brother versus brother, that's all I could think of. It was sibling rivalry at its most painful. Um, it's a tale as old as time. It could have been us. This could have been us, me and you. Was, well, it was. You picked a clip. He, Dean Malenko was literally wrestling with my brother. That's why I did it. Well, no, it, it just popped up. I said, like, I'm, I, I've made a list of my clips that I wanted to feature when we first started the pod. And now if something pops up and someone said this is a technical masterclass, I thought, do you know what? Let's show my brother and the rest of the world that I'm not just a bloodletting freak. Uh, and yeah, it was, it was, well, tell me, tell me what you think. Well, it was a technical masterclass, you know, loads of good holds, very clever reversals, matching each other move for move at some points. But I, I do like it when we show how different wrestling can be. Sometimes it is about high-flying, fast-paced action. Sometimes it's an ultra-violent bloodbath. Sometimes it's a slower-paced technical display like this, mind you. Sometimes it's just two massive blokes in Lycra smashing shit out of each other. But, you know, <laughs> everything has its place in the wonderful, wide, wacky world of wrestling. But... Yeah, this match, it was just like, who can twist the other into the most painful position possible? But there was a there was a reason for everything and a meaning behind every hold. I think that's what drew me in. It, you know, it was quite slow and a little bit ploddy and boring. It picked up a bit towards the end, which is the typical kind of formula that they had back in the day. But no, for me, it was... It was more about, it was a thinking man's match, you know, and it was like chess almost. Whereas now it's who can jump over the top rope first and, and higher than anyone else. And yeah, you don't see that anymore. No, and I think there is a place for all those different types of matches. And I think you've talked about it before, about, you know, spot fests. And it's quite easy for us as fans to be wowed by spot fest but then you kind of come to expect it but then it becomes just run of the mill and it's nice to have a match with a different pace to it and a different feel and wrestlers doing different things and occasionally you know these technical masterclasses um i think they were he, he had a few i remember from um wwe as well although his time there was limited as an in-ring performer and i'm sure that you could point to ecw matches that he had but he mm. was so good at these types of matches yeah yeah i mean christ alive him and, and benoit and eddie guerrero just stood out like a sore thumb in ecw for all the right reasons yeah that maybe i'll share one of their matches down the line because <laughs> like it was sandwiched in between bloody barbed wire flaming table brawls and just pure technical wrestling. But yeah, you know, this is enjoy that because it's probably my one and only technical wrestling match. I got that out of my system. I, I just need the blood again now. Oh.
Okay, so onto my first clip, and this is a bit of a spot fest. It's a fatal four-way match between The Miz, Sami Zayn, Cesaro, and Kevin Owens at Extreme Rules 2016. This looked like he was setting up for a superplex, and Kevin Owens trying to fight out of it, does with a headbutt. Sami Zayn back on his feet. Now Sami Zayn's up top. Kevin Owens may not have the same luck. Owens blocked. Shots to the ribs. And a headbutt to Zane, who's knocked off the <laughs> top rope. To the and now Miz back on the attack. Kevin Owens can't get a breather. Kevin, get off that turnbuckle. Now easier said than done. It's like a revolving door of punches. And now maybe oh, Miz no. and Zane working together oh, can no. deliver the superplex. Uh-oh. Cesaro's in the mix now. This is not going to be good. Oh. Cesaro, look at the Now, I've been meaning to pick a match featuring The Miz for a while because I really like The Miz, I'm going to admit it. Here's someone who came to the wrestling world off the back of being a reality TV star. He could easily have made a comfortable living just doing that, but instead he chose to become a wrestler. And I think most people at the time thought this was just another fad, just another reality TV show that he wanted to be involved in. Um, and, you know, lots of people didn't think he would make it. And actually, many people didn't want him to succeed, but he stuck at it. And boy, did he prove them wrong. You know, he's been in, well, on the main roster, at least for 16 years now in WWE, notching up multiple championship reigns, including two WWE championship runs. He's a fantastic heel. He's considered one of the most consistent and reliable wrestlers of his generation. And he's got one of the best promos in the business. So I was looking for a match that would feature him prominently. And uh, this was considered one of his best. Although actually, having watched it, he doesn't feature in it as much as I'd hoped. But he's still a really good match and a classic, I think, of the Fatal 4-Way genre. Um there are so many good spots in this. I know we talked about spot fests before, but occasionally you're just like, wow, the way they put these together. I mean, that that double suplex slam featuring all four men at 724. Um, we, we've seen similar, there was a similar move to that in a cage match, I think you picked previously. Yeah, I think that was Young Bucks and Lucha Bros at All Out. But that tri human pyramid type thing with a double suplex powerbomb, that is kind of, that's done a lot, but <laughs> I've never seen one that looks crap. They always look amazing. This that looked really good. And then when Cesaro German suplexed the Miz while he was doing a capture suplex on Zane at the nine minute mark, that was insane. Yeah. And that nobody got hurt doing a move like that is uh, well, very lucky. Um, and just, I love how Kevin Owens just has no time for fancy wrestling moves at all. <laughs> he just loves fucking pummeling people and throwing them about a bit. It's just mad. Everyone's there, you know, doing different holds and throws and things. And he just comes in and kicks and punches. And yeah, it's great. And it just goes to show that you can have wrestlers with different and conflicting styles going at it. Um did you, did you pick up on that lovely bit of innuendo on commentary at uh, 11 minutes 32? You know how many men he's finished off with that move? <laughs> I'm so good at picking up on commentary. The last few episodes, you found it, and I'm like, shit, I really need to pay attention to the commentary now. <laughs> yeah, the last, last episode was the Jerry Lawler ones that went over my head as well. 
<laughs> I, I think this was genuinely a mistake. You know, I don't think he realised what he said because there was no mention made of it. He said, yeah, you know how many men he's finished off with that move? <laughs> you know Vinnie Mac is blasting in his ear. Ah, oh, oh, that's what another... Oh, this, yeah. <laughs> Add it to the list. Yeah, but, you know, great match. So much action, so many near falls. What did you think? I thought it was amazing. I'm I'm not familiar with any of these dudes, to be honest, but I was not expecting it. I looked at these and I thought, oh, God, modern day WWE. But you you picked up on two of the main spots. But those those thousand kip-ups at the start by Cesaro, he just does one after the other. I mean, it's been really well documented how strong and powerful this guy is, even though he doesn't look particularly powerful. But that was nuts. And like you said, you hit the nail on the head. Just a really good showcase for all four, well, superstars, not wrestlers. I, yeah, I love the rough and tough, you know, intensity of, of Owens. How fast Zayn is, how strong Cesaro is. And let's face it, how cocky and smug the Miz is. Because his, one of his best assets is, like you said, this persona and this ego. Um, yeah, the, I mean, the two two kind of main spots for that quadruple superplex powerbomb. Um, yeah, that exploded German suplex. I've never seen that before. Um, again, just I know Cesaro does the swing. That That is his thing. 20 revolutions into a sharpshooter. I would be throwing up. I would be a human sprinkler after about eight of those. My God. How he wasn't just staggering around the ring like a drunk for the rest of that match, I will never know. He was fine. He was absolutely fine. Um, yeah. Did that... you, when you were a kid, right, did you ever just go on a roundabout really, really fast just to see how dizzy you could get yourself? I think via you spinning me most of the time, yeah. I think we've both done it. And, yeah, you've seen adults playing that game when they put a broom on their heads on the ground and spin around that and then try and... Nothing. Weren't phased at all. I'm surprised you didn't mention that sunset flip into that code red powerbomb by Sami Zayn. That was insane. I was, but I wanted to ask you what it was called because I kind of, I've actually got it here now to play you. I was going to say, oh, Craig, what was this? Fifteen minute mark, just nope. absolute nope. poetry in motion. Unbelievable. So, you know the uh, Canadian destroyer that everyone does. Yeah. So look at it again. Oh my. Absolutely gorgeous. Hot noodle. It's not leafy. It's too gorgeous. So the Canadian destroyers were in a pile drive position or power bomb position, flip over into a pile driver. Yeah. PT Williams from TNA. It was his move, the Canadian Destroyer. Now everyone uses it, which is a bit unfair. It's like the stunner now. It's become watered down. That version is called the Code Red, and it was the finishing move, or one of the finishing moves by Red, who become Amazing Red in TNA. Exactly the same move, but instead of planting the guy onto his head, he flipped it round into a sunset flip. It's basically... A, so this, I would say, is a sunset flip into a Code Red powerbomb pin. <laughs> just it's just gorgeous yeah and, and yeah so many great moves and spots and this almost makes me want to start getting into modern wwe 
I've got to say, if that's the standard, like Backlash was, was recently and there wasn't that much buzz for it. I think Edge had a decent match. Cody Rhodes is making a lot of waves, but for the most part, they're like, well, yeah, nothing, nothing really exciting happened. If that type of match was more regular, that would seriously entice me back in because that that was superb. I gotta I gotta say. Oh, yeah. So yes, on to my second match of the evening, which is slightly different from the first. This is Mike Awesome versus Masato Tanaka at ECW One Night Stand. Dudley's be thinking. You know they've got to have their eye on a monitor thinking this is their deal. Tables are their deal. The fan chanting this match rules. He was looking for the awesome bot. Over the top rope, through the floor. Tanaka saved himself, or did he? Yeah, about as far away from the Malenko brothers as humanly possible. I know I've already featured an ECW match between these two warriors, but this one night stand about years later proved that they still have it. The chemistry, the physicality, and the ability to take the audience on an absolute roller coaster. I mean, this match was also crazy for the backstory. Uh, you know, in the fact that Joey Styles breaks kayfabe and actually proper goes off on one about how awesome basically left ECW with a championship belt, a situation we've also covered in an earlier pod. Uh, yeah, it just it was it's just mad for me at the time to see the usually so professional and unbiased announcer basically tearing awesome a new one here. Oh, did you catch his remark about awesome taking his own life? But the suicide dive is a, is a shame he didn't take his own life. And then he bloody does years later. I'm like, oh, God, that he's going to look back on that and fucking cringe. That was horrific. I mean, that whole thing, was that a shoot? Yeah, 100%. 100%. And he apologised. Do you think he was made to apologise by an angry voice in his headphones? No. Uh, well, no, because it was still kind of... Heyman ran. I mean, yeah, Vince obviously had his his crew there, but uh, no, no. I mean, he had a lot more liberties there, and I think Mick was a bit kind of uncomfortable, like, just calm down, Joey, you know, but Mick was always just a tourist in ECW. He loved EC... I think he said on commentary later on in the night, he loves ECW, WWE's his home, whereas most of the ECW guys love ECW, WWE became their home, but they'll always be considered ECW guys. And they always love it when WWE audiences chant ECW. Whereas, yeah, it's nice for Mick, but that was just a fun little run. Like Chris Jericho, he had fun in ECW. You know, it, it was fun, but he's a WWE guy. Even in AEW and all the stuff he's doing now, he's a WWE guy. Yeah, and, and, and again, just the raw superstars literally turning their backs on ECW. Then stupid-ass Bradshaw pretending that he's into the match. Oh, I hate him. I hate him so much. Anyway, the match itself, that powerbomb on the outside, driving Tanaka through a table onto his bloody neck. 
tons of other carnage I'm sure you'll cover. For me, this was more about, yeah, shit, they still got it years after, you know, the match that we shared in a previous pod. And the crowd is still electric and they're still doing innovative things with tables and chairs. And yeah, for me, it was the match that, that we featured before, plus Joey just going completely off script. Normally, he's, he's so professional, even like Taipei death matches. He's, he just sounds like an accountant. And the WWE kind of involvement in it as well just made this match even crazier. At just that end spot, that's all I'm going to say. I, I remember the first time I watched it, I was just screaming just to plant him over the top rope through a table again onto his neck. And I love that the camera stayed on the ground with Tanaka and you can like see something in his eyes. You're like, what's he looking at? Is the ref going to count him out? This kind of holy shit from the ground looking up. And then this humongous Goliath over the top rope. Like I, I haven't even seen a high flyer or a luchador or a light heavyweight jump over the top rope onto an opponent who's lying on the ground. Normally it's over the top rope like The Undertaker does to a standing opponent. He jumped over the top rope the size that he is onto Tanaka on the ground. If he'd have clipped his foot or his ankle on the rope, he'd have flipped over and probably killed himself. It's just wild. But yeah, like I said, it, it was not just the hardcore elements. It was all these other interesting things and the backstory as well that made me, yeah, want to pick this match. Yeah, it was a shame we didn't properly see that suicide dive at the end because they didn't have a good camera view of it, did they? Uh, no, they showed a replay which was slightly better, but it was, <laughs> yeah, it was from his arse end then, wasn't it? So you didn't, you want a side, you want someone on the apron on the side, really, but. Yeah, so you get an idea of the full height and the. Yeah. Yeah. Insane. I mean, God, this was such a hard hitting match. I mean, it's amazing that neither of them were seriously hurt doing this i mean maybe they were I don't, I don't know but it didn't seem like they were you know nobody threw up the x or anything like that but yeah that awesome bomb through the table um so many hard unprotected chair shots to the head i mean i've forgotten how hard they used to hit each other with chairs and just to think now and i know we've said it before but the knowledge of you know traumatic brain injury and yeah. the damage that can be done long term. Wait, well, yeah, I mean, obviously short term with concussions, but then you know the longer term damage that something like this does is just ugh, uncomfortable to watch. Um, yeah, something else we said before in this pod: how agile and quick, awesome for such a big guy. I I have honestly never seen a guy. I mean, he's got to be close to seven foot, if not over. You can cooperate there. I've never seen a guy move like that. I, I I barely seen light heavyweights move like that. I mean, him he moves like Rey Mysterio, but he's the size of Kane. Tell me another wrestler, seriously, that is built like awesome, but moves like him. Maybe uh, Palumbo and O'Hare spring to mind in WCW when he did the Sean Ton bomb. You know, he's a big guy and he did some impressive moves, but tell me someone. I can't. I mean, I don't think there is anybody who was that big. Like, you summed it up well, that the agility of a light heavyweight with the size of a super heavyweight, it's its crazy. But yeah, I mean, the, oh, the crowd was so into this match and the moves. They were 
too many to list the well spots rather than moves. I mean, yeah. Tanaka's top rope elbow drop, but using a chair instead of an elbow. The noise that made, my God. Well, it was onto another chair that was already on top of it. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> and then that awesome bomb from the top rope. Then the awesome bomb onto the floor. Ah, crazy. Crazy stuff. I mean, yeah, I uh, I enjoyed it, but I winced. I winced throughout. <laughs> I think if this pod was just those types of matches, which, you know, if I had a my way, it would be, <laughs> then it would be a bit like, oh, God. But, you know, after the first match that we opened the pod with to, to now... How much wrestling has changed over the years, and yeah, I think now and now and again, you know, that there's a place for that kind of hardcore bout. You know, not not all the time. AEW got a great mixture of mainly technical, high flying lucha kind of action, and then the odd table break. But yeah, it's, I love it all. I love all these different varieties of wrestling. And if you had too much of any one type, it would get boring, and that's when the product gets stale. I think in the 90s is when it really started to get innovative, when promoters like Heyman started bringing in the type of wrestlers that weren't that people weren't used to seeing in the United States, you know, the luchadors from Mexico or that kind of Japanese style, and then mixing and melding and making its own kind of style. And I just think there's a place for everything. And it, it when it's done well, it can all be entertaining. Okay, so just a segue, what happened in the late 80s uh, in wrestling? W- was this something that you wanted to talk about that was maybe a little bit different from, from this match? Lovely segue. Yes, there's absolutely something that I would love to share from the late 80s. It's Vince McMahon singing Stand Back at the Slammies in 1987. This, oh God, honestly, right, this has to be one of the most <laughs> incredible clips I think I've ever picked for this podcast, certainly in my top 10 favourites. It's just so brilliantly bonkers. And I would implore you, if you're the type of listener who doesn't watch the clips for whatever reason, just please take five, 10 minutes of your day to watch <laughs> this. I say take five minutes, take 10, watch it twice, because it's crazy, <laughs> honestly. It's hilarious and really kind of spookily weird in equal measure. Hilarious because it's fucking ridiculous. You've got Hulk Hogan pretending to play guitar, a bunch of other wrestlers, including Brutus Beefcake, Jake the Snake and Macho Man, pretending to play trumpets and saxophones, while Vince growls his way through what is actually quite a threatening-sounding song with a troop of dancing girls. (laughs) The thing is, we're watching this now with the knowledge of who Vince McMahon is and the on-screen character that he portrayed from the Attitude Era onwards. 
But at this time, 1987, to most fans, he was just the mild-mannered guy on commentary. They didn't know him as the owner. So to see him in the spotlight in this way, A, must have been really strange. But then to see the kind of mannerisms that he was coming out with, you know, this was almost like a proto version of the Mr. McMahon character. You've got the attitude, the snarl, the growl, the machismo, <laughs> the leching over the women. It's all there. You know, this this was like a trial run for a character that he would break out like 10, 11 years later. And those lyrics, I mean, they're so prophetic, aren't they? All of you who want to bring me down, I have news. Stand in my way. I'll promise you'll lose. Stand back. It's like he's sending a message to his competitors. Oh, it's uh, it's amazing. I don't know if you've read any of the comments on the video. Yeah. <laughs> there are three that I want to pick out. There are so many amazing comments on here as well. My three favourites. Vinnie Mac literally did not age between 1985 and 2005. <laughs> no. I mean, I think from this time to when he had his hair shaved off, yeah, he, he looked the bloody same. That's just unbelievable. <laughs> um, another comment. This is simultaneously the greatest and worst thing ever. <laughs> okay. Well, my favourite and probably your favourite, Tony Khan will never have anything on this masterpiece. <laughs> yeah. When I literally opened up the clip before it's even played to that top comment about it, it being the greatest and worst thing ever. I just thought, oh, this is going to be good. Yeah, Hogan on bass, Macho Brutus and Jake Roberts on fucking trumpets. Vinny hasn't even come out yet, and I'm like, I love this. I don't know what this is. I fucking love it. And then out he comes, strutting like a camp Conor McGregor and singing with all his bloody heart. And like you said, I love the way that he's retained his growl when he sings stand back damn it <laughs> i get so violent my favorite bit and i i, I couldn't i couldn't stop laughing is <laughs> how so he got winded towards the end he was like baby watch him drop baby 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 <laughs> and he's like panting like a fucking dog i couldn't breathe along with him i was oh my goodness just got redder and redder. Baby, baby, <laughs> calm down. I mean, yeah, there's, there's nothing left to say. This is my new ringtone, basically. It's mad, isn't it, though? Isn't it really spooky how he's the Mr. McMahon character here? I think this is a proper glimpse into his persona, you know, which is part, we know, is part of what he is like in real life as well. But, you know, years before he would actually bring it out on the public stage, it's just so odd. I love that you're analysing it. I, I was just mesmerised. I couldn't think of anything other than just to breathe because it was just berserk. I didn't look anything into it other than what was on the surface because, like you said, just the most... Is this an original song then? Or is this a... I, don't, I, I couldn't tell whether it was a remake of a song or whether he'd written it. <laughs> That's a really good question. I mean, it's not a song I was familiar with, but no. it's, it's, I mean, it's a very good song, a kind of a professional sounding song. You know what I mean? It doesn't sound like... Oh, no, just tell me you don't know. It's a good song, and I'll tell you what I do like. Verse 2 is really, really good. Let's go over some of those lyrics. Just fucking tell me. Stop stalling. Just say you don't know. You don't have to have all the answers. 
It's a great song. I take that trumpet solo in two minutes 30. Class. Uh, well, Ian Google might have the answer. Let's find out. I thought you were Ian Googling as I was mocking you. No, I don't think it. I think it is an original song. It's uh, it's, it's an incredible piece of uh, music and stagemanship. Stagemanship. Love it. I, he, he was knackered by the end of it, though, wasn't he? He was absolutely knackered. And like you said, this was like the goofy red blazer, squeaky clean kind of Vinny era. This wasn't, you know, the, the fucking suits with the shirt open to his belly button and, you know, the hulking biceps. This was still cheesy. <laughs> and yeah, that growls like he's possessed. Yeah, it was like you said, it was the, the red bow tie wearing, yeah, uh, mild mannered guy, not the you're fired guy. Yeah, but he was doing that. That's why I'm saying it was really odd, but oh, so much fun. I mean, they, I think there were some wrestlers on the other side as well because I said about Brutus, Jake, and Macho, but I couldn't work out who the other ones were. There was a black wrestler, and I didn't think it was Junkyard Dog, it might have been Coco Beware. Um, so they all had trumpets on the left and the others were playing saxes on the right. I couldn't work out who that older guy was with the mullet, but yeah, it might have been Coco Beware uh, on the other side, but <laughs> just big old Hogan in the middle, like, what am I fucking doing here? Like, oiled and tanned to the max, pretending to play bass, like, brother, I'd rather be it. I'd rather do a squash match where I lose at a house show than this. Surely that's going through his head. How embarrassing. Oh, and I mean, it's very clear that none of them play in those instruments. <laughs> baby! Baby! It's like, chill! <laughs> oh, amazing. I'm glad you enjoyed it, because I, I can't believe I've never seen this before. Just, I saw it somewhere and just thought, dear God, what is this? Incredible. It's the type of clip that I hated you sharing at the start, but now I love so much that I get annoyed that it wasn't me that found the clip and I was able to present it to you. So that's my mission for the next one is to try and find something stupid. But look at the, come on, audience, look at the, the different types of, of clips and matches we've chosen tonight. It's the entire breadth of the wrestling world, isn't it? I think the word you were struggling for was variety. What did I say? You just you grasped oh. around and eventually went to different types. But yeah, the variety of clips. No, I stand by what I said. You'll listen to this back and go, yeah, he was he was very articulate then. We've been wrestling with my motherfucking brother, and we are on Twitter at WrestleBrosPod. We post podcasts twice a month on yeah, just this kind of randomness. My BFF. Oh, we need a name for him now. A code name. Uh, yeah, Slick Rick, my BFF. He's up to date, basically. He's all caught up. He was doing DIY on the weekend. He's listened to them all. He likes them. So thanks. I'm glad. It's, not, it's nice to have another fan. And before we go, I've realised or I've worked out who you are in your, your wrestling persona. But it, it's, not, it's not one person. It's two. You are Festus with the hair of Mr. Fantastic from the Fantastic Four. Festus? That guy. Yeah. But with Mr. Fantastic's hair. Is that how you see me? Festus. Mr. Festastic. (laughs) 
Not on that bombshell. Yeah, we'll speak to you soon. Bye. Wrestling with my brother. We got a podcast, yeah. Wrestling with my brother.